The Brutally Speaking podcast is proudly sponsored by Starving Artist Brewing. Starving Artist Brewing may be a small speck on Michigan's beer map, but they say big things come in small packages. A brewery who really puts their money where their mouth is, supporting underground artists far and wide. Making delicious beers with the simple belief that you should judge beer, not people. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. For over 30 years, Rockabilia has been the go-to destination for all things band merch. With over 500,000 items in their online store and collaborations with today's hottest bands, you're sure to find something you love. Use our code BREW10 at checkout and take 10% off your total order. So go pick up your favorite new piece of merch now over at rockabilia.com. Now, on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guest is Blake from the band Saul. This was actually a really good chat, and it's one of those things where (laughs) I don't know how Blake and I haven't run into each other uh, at some point over the years, because good lord, uh, this band has basically, and Blake and all the guys, have essentially played and toured with some of my good friends in the same space. Um, so it just seems kind of inevitable that this was bound to happen and we were to have a conversation on the podcast. And, um, I'd be a little remiss, uh, at this point if I kind of didn't speak to something that was, has been on my mind, uh, this past week. Um, you know, we, I, you know, it's funny when doing this, you know, I always say we, and it's like, no, it's, it's me. <laughs> there is no we, it is solely me. Um, but it's a thing where, you know, I constantly talk on this, this podcast about going to therapy and, and trying to be a better person and to, to seek, uh, I don't want to say enlightenment, but to just kind of, um, be a better you, whatever that looks like. However, you need to, to find that, uh, making positive changes in your life. And um, I was kind of reminded this week of what that looks like and how it can be different for a lot of us um, without necessarily going into too many specifics. Um, essentially had someone reach out to me and uh, kind of explain that they have not been having a good go of it. And that they are essentially making the decision to go to rehab. And it's a, it's a commendable thing. It is something, you know, I told this person, um, you know, there are a lot of choices that we can make. And sometimes they are, are bad ones um, and can have, you know, severely bad outcomes, depending on the severity of what it is we're doing. And... Uh, you know, that I think this is a, a healthy decision uh, for this person. Uh, obviously, not being able to, um, not being able to, uh, 
get out of whatever is causing these behaviors. And I know it's a very tough decision to make, uh, to know that, you know, you aren't able to help yourself and is a thing where ultimately, you know, I, I kept telling this person how proud I was of them uh, for coming to this conclusion and that I know that they will succeed in overcoming these challenges um, and that this is somebody who constantly through life, since I've known them, uh, has always set really high goals for themselves and always smashed them. And I have no doubt that they will do the same in this same capacity uh, and, and then this new challenge that they face. Um, but it's, it's hard uh, to, to sometimes, as you get older, to have these conversations. And I think for me, the other thing that makes it a little bit harder is this almost feels like a little bit of history repeating itself with, a, with a, another friend of mine uh, who sadly did pass. Um, and, you know, ultimately, I guess, trying to do and say the things maybe I, I don't feel like I did the last time. Um, so it has been a, a really interesting week for me between that, um, talking to a handful of friends, uh, or my wife and, uh, two of my best friends and some other, um, friends of ours are going to go see a show on Friday. We're going to see Jimmy's chicken shack. Uh, so that should be funny as of when I'm recording this, I'm recording this a couple of days uh, before it'll come out. Uh, so by the time you'll hear this, I'll have already gone to see Jimmy, Jimmy's Chicken Shack. But it is a thing where friendships and um, the bond that gets strengthened over time through struggles and hardships and good times and everything in between uh, has kind of been running through my mind uh, this, this past week or so. And it's just kind of a reminder uh, maybe to check in on occasion with yourself, with, with, uh, your friends. Um, I guess we don't always know what everyone's going through. Um, so it's kind of a good, good time to make sure everyone that you care for is, is cared for. Um, didn't necessarily know that this is going to be the, the, the route I was going to go in this intro. Uh, no, it's kind of a, a bit more, uh, downer. I don't want to say morose, but a bit of a downer. But, um, yeah, I just felt like it was kind of important to, to say these things. You know, I, I say all the time that I, I want to take these intro and outros uh, to voice uh, things I've been thinking about going through. Um, so in the event that I listen to them, uh, maybe I can kind of take some stock of where I am currently versus where I was when I was listening or recording this. Uh, and for those that are listening, maybe it'll just simply make us all not feel alone and that no one understands what we go through uh, internally. Um, all that said, let's get into my conversation with Blake from Saul, and I'll talk to you all on the other side of it.
it's it's kind of funny you're the title of your album uh i feel you know this is it the end of everything uh i've ever seen the email for it and i was thinking to myself like shit this is kind of a bleak ass sounding title <laughs> you know note unheard and you know even before i kind of because a lot of times what i like to do with music is, is sort of take in as much of everything kind of feel everything like in the moment so you know it starts with the title kind of looking at song titles kind of you know taking in the music trying to a lot of times i don't get lyrics so it's kind of what i pick up on mm-hmm. um and i just kind of couldn't really feel like it was it was more just a vibe of <laughs> what we've all gone through collectively and wondering too i mean i don't i don't like to impose uh religious views or anything like that on anybody or assume anyone's religious affiliations but you know there there are a lot of people who are saying this is the end of the times and we're about to kind of go through it or we are living it and it's just uh it's the album title alone has made me do a lot of thinking about you know where we are currently in our societal climate and so forth and mm-hmm. uh takes a lot i i I can't, you know, I definitely notice on the record that, you know, there are a lot of themes and of relationships and, and so forth uh, that get touched on. But, you know, I don't want to, I try not to really talk about the album necessarily because I feel like it kind of dates this to a specific mm-hmm. time and era. But I also feel like it, it kind of takes away the everyone else's first experiences with it, where they go in with a preconceived, this is what it's probably going to be. And I don't want to take that away from anyone either. So um, I guess just kind of the first question I'll ask is, did the title come first or was it something you kind of landed on naturally? Um, it was something we kind of landed on naturally. Uh, my original thought was I actually wanted to do the album in like two segments where um, it was like, this is it. And then another one where it's the end of everything. So it would kind of come out like that. But uh, the label really loved the title. Um, so they're just like, let's just make it one full record and just put it out as that. So uh, um you know, that was something that we came up after we started working on the record. Um, it just kind of fit the theme of of what we were talking about, you know, with the record and and uh, stuff like that, especially songs like Tooth and Nail and A Million Miles and and stuff like that. The Last Parade um, really touch on like, you know, you know, this is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it's necessarily the end times or, you know, something like. No, you know, those lines, <laughs> but uh, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I just feel like. uh in just uh, where we're at as people is kind of like a dark, kind of a dark time, I think right now, you know, with what's going on with everything. So, you know, there was something kind of in the, the, the press bio that I kind of gravitated toward uh, pretty quickly. I want to grab this real quick, just to make sure I'm, because it's a quote uh, from you. So I want to make sure I'm getting, I'm quoting you correctly, but you write in here uh, as a society, we're so glued to our phones and social media. When we finally got out of quarantine, we personally needed to take a mental break from it. If you think about it, we don't even have to talk anymore since communication happens online. And that's something I've thought an awful lot about. And I know there's a lot of like quote unquote hot takes about social media and what it's done to us. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's, it has, created this duality where you want to be in the moment because it's happening and you don't want to be buried in your phone and all that kind of stuff. But it's also a thing where at times you need to preserve the thing for yourself to be a reminder, to look back on something maybe when you're down or whatever. And again, kind of thinking about, you know, some of the words and the music and everything. When I remember reading that, I've never prosed this to someone who's written an album or a musician or whatever, 
but do you find that same duality is kind of happening to you when you need to create music? Like you want to write something down because, oh, this could be a good lyric. It could be a good thing or whatever. But you also just want to kind of be in the moment and let whatever's happened happen for you. Does that happen often in your writing process? Uh, yeah, yeah. And like one thing we do, especially like lyrically, um, we have a lyric thread amongst all four members and like we'll just bounce ideas back and forth. You know what I mean? Somebody will just send a it'll be a song title or to be, you know, something along those lines. And um, so we do a lot of that. One thing what we really get caught up on that I'm not good at at all is um, and the label wants more of it and every management, everybody wants more of it of us capturing those moments like in the studio of us working on stuff like I never think about setting up a GoPro or my phone on a stand or, you know what I mean? To capture those moments. It's just, it is what it is. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, oh man, we should have probably should have got some of that. You know what I mean? For, for content and stuff like that. So uh, I have a really tough time trying to uh, uh, capture those moments. Cause I just, I'm just in it, you know, I'm not a big social media guy. I mean, I have to be, you know, to some extent, but um, <laughs> I wouldn't be an influencer or anything like that. If, you know, you know, if it came down to it, I'm just not good at it that whole world just befuddles me. Like there was a restaurant, uh, my wife and some friends went to, uh, here in town and it's like a rooftop bar type vibe. And the amount of like, there were two women sitting in the corner of this. So like it overlooks our downtown skyline. I just remember like watching them, like they ordered like two or three different drinks and they took different photos with them, had like a jacket, like a different shirt and like just mm -hmm. posting all, like just taking all these photos. And I'm like, by the time you even sip that cocktail, which took about 10, 12 minutes to make and get to you, it's going to be watered down. It's not going to taste like, I don't know. Like, I just was like, you're fucking missing the whole point of like, all of <laughs> yeah. this. like take it all in. And yeah. then I heard one of them go, oh, I've been so bad. I haven't posted. I got to post stuff we did from like yesterday. And I'm like, it just, it sounds and looks so exhausting to have to try to quote unquote, keep up with like, being an influencer or whatever and i yeah. don't even know like i don't know like you listen to some of these podcasts sometimes with people who like you know the the comedians and so forth and it just sounds so tough like it's it's like a whole other job inside of the job that you're actually <laughs> being yeah. you know a professional for like i just don't know how people do it yeah yeah and that's that's what's hard for me to separate you know like to to dive into that world of like, you know, like Miles, our drummer, he's pretty good at it. So like when we're on the road and we're on tour and everything, that's like, Miles, this, this is your job. You know, you just make sure that you get the content and all that stuff. And um, yeah, just, I, I can't wrap my mind around just constantly being on the the lookout to get, you know, the, the footage and all that stuff. It's just, I'm just, I don't, it never crosses my mind. It just never crosses my mind. You know, occasionally I'll catch something that, you know, we just got off tour with Memphis Mayfire, Norma Jean, and then I'll take us guys. Let's get in and take a selfie before the show or like whatever. You know what I mean? But uh, it's very far and few between that. I actually think about it, you know? And it's so funny. Cause like uh, Corey from Norma Jean and Maddie are the homies. So uh, it's always funny. Cause Love Maddie is like so good at that. And it, I mean, like it's, it's kind of a trip. Cause when you see like how bands now, you know, I just kind of like laugh sometimes when I see bands that it's like you're barely sometimes making it as like a, the opener of a package tour. And, mm -hmm. you know, Dirty Secret, sometimes you have to buy on. And it's one of those things where I see that. And then it's like, but then you have something like these bands that have to take out a, a content maker and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm like, so now not only are you not possibly making money, but now you're also giving it to somebody else and mm -hmm. taking space that you don't have for another person yep. to come on tour. 
because this is the the world now we live in where it's like you just constantly have to be pushing stuff but you see someone like a maddie Corey, not so much but you know norma jean better at it i think like him and Corey and i have had long conversations about does it really put does it bring people to listen to your album if it doesn't then what's the point right. and it's just it's kind of an interesting thing to, to to understand or if if it even does correlate to actual sales and physical to your shows you know i really think it does i really think it does like Do so yeah yeah it, it really does because like I think a guy's like, so we became pretty good friends with, do you know Bailey Zimmerman? Um, he's had some really big country hits. Uh, the name sounds really familiar, but like I get a ton of press email, so it might have been okay. something I've just seen recently. Him and Wheeler okay, Walker okay. Seem, sound like would have been the same. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, uh, so uh, we were under the same management as him, you know, and we met up and we went out to eat a couple times in Nashville and hung out and everything. But he blew up, <clears throat> literally blew up. Like he's a huge country act now strictly from TikTok, like selling out like arenas and stuff. So um, the social media game is a real, it's a game changer. I mean, if you, if you focus on that and you make that part of your like daily routine for like any artist out there, that's, you know, trying to dabble in it. If you focus on that, I mean, there's definitely money and there's, there's uh it'll bring, you know, seats for sure. What I'd be interested to see, and you know, time will tell eventually on this is what is a sustainability? Because I feel like, you know, I often joke, you know, and a lot of people are like find the show through some random guest and then see that there's 400 some odd episodes or whatever. And the like the quality of guests, I'll say and a lot of people are like, I've never heard of your show. And I'm like, that's fine. Like, I don't pay for ads. I don't, you mm-hmm. know, I don't do all these other things and I'm not really on other people's shows. So like, I'm just kind of doing my own thing. And I go, it's sort of like, I kind of have this old school mentality of like, it's like when I used to go see bands and growing up in like hardcore and metal and stuff, it's like you earned your fans one by one. You didn't yeah. pay to get them. And I I don't know if like I'm just too old and stubborn <laughs> <laughs> uh, or if it's a thing where maybe I'm not growing and adapting like I should. And it makes me wonder, mm-hmm. but I always come back to the thing of like, if someone saw me on TikTok or saw me on an Instagram reel or a band, like does it correlate to someone buying the album or listening to the podcast or whatever? Like, I just don't know if there's concrete evidence that it will, or if it'll go beyond like a year. Well, like, cause everyone's just so 88, mm. like kind of ADD about like their attention yeah. span. Um, and I mean like something else too, is I feel like, I feel like you guys have put out three, three singles, four singles already. Uh, four yeah four okay so i mean that's now sort of the industry standard but it's interesting because like on octane i feel like it just feels like one is being really pushed so i don't feel Mm -hmm. like i'm being oversaturated with the record before it's out because that's something i i feel like it's so hard now is like i feel like you have to start a rollout plan so far in advance now to keep your your name on the lips of everybody a potential listener and i feel like it's just got to be so challenging to to play this long game with a release instead of just what's our best single and then what's the other single we're going to put out when the record's out and service those two yeah yeah because that's what we did when we would did the rises equals record you know we released brother and then we released the record and then we had some singles off that but um <clears throat> anymore with the the way content is consumed you almost like 
every every month has to be a, like a release of a song, release of a song. You know what I mean? Just to just to keep that content, you know, going. And you know, we shot what five music videos for this record, um, uh, a graphic video for Jack and Jill. I mean, we did a lot of stuff that would, <laughs> you know, keep the the viewers, you know, on YouTube and and everything. So it's uh, it is definitely a long game. It's different than it used to be. Um, well, I mean, we released because we released the singles, but we really released them just to keep people talking about us. But we were really just pushing a million miles. I mean, that was our, you know, the single, the radio single. So, um, yeah, that was a different kind of, you know, route that we went with that to really coming up to the record. I don't know. It was, it's um, it's just strange anymore on uh, how to release music. You know, what I mean, everybody does it kind of differently. And uh Sorry, I got a call. <laughs> no, no worries. But yeah, yeah. So I mean, trying to release the music, it's just it, it's always it's always different. It's always different. Every record is going to be different too. Uh, you know, I'm kind of intrigued because saying that you were you have thought about putting these out as two EPs with different working titles. Did you? Mm-hmm. Did you at least? Even not before, like getting to a label, maybe. Did you internally kind of have the? Uh, or which halves were like songs were going to be on which half and uh, like a visual theme and like did you have it ready to pitch or was it just kind of really in infancy stages like it would be kind of cool if we did this yeah it was pretty much it was pretty much like that um i didn't really have a a concept of of what it was going to be we didn't even have the the songs uh you know fully fully written at that time i just brought it up as a as a concept um um while we were doing doing the record so uh um but I, I thought I thought it would have been kind of cool just because then we, you would have had two major releases, you know, throughout the year and, you know, done it, done it like that. Um, I thought I thought it was going to be uh, uh, a better concept, you know, just just for that content. Um, but uh, I, I know it's something we're going to dive into and probably do on the next record, um, maybe do three EPs and then just release it into, you know, add a couple more songs and do uh, a full length record on it. So something along those lines is what I've been talking about with the label, too. So. Uh, we'll kind of see what you know what they have in mind. Well, it gets. This is where like stuff like this gets interesting now because again, kind of going into the whole like, you know, you're a brand. There's content. You got to always be pushing stuff out, giving some fans you know different things than worth what they're able to get from just anybody. And mm-hmm. you know, we're now in this age where I feel like everyone's putting out graphic novels and so forth. And you know, yeah. growing up with Coheed, kind of always starting that. Uh, it it's a thing. To me, I feel like maybe this is something that you start the foundation of now where like when inevitably like the deluxe edition of an album comes out, it's like, okay, here's a different presentation. Here's a different way to you for you to take in this music that we've created that you've come Mm -hmm. to know. Now we're going to present it in a different way and it's going to be more cinematic and kind of create its own universe. And I feel Mm -hmm. like you still could do something with it. I I think it's a, a really interesting idea. Uh, that I think would really present a different way to kind of repackage this album and give it new life when you're and kind of buy you that time for the next one where you're kind of writing, you know, what will be the next album. Um, right, right. But well, I, I know, don't know. Like, good. I, I agree. I agree because we, we talked about doing stuff like that as well. Um, you know, because we could actually do, I mean, like put out a coloring book, put out, you know, something along those lines, you know what I mean? Where it doesn't necessarily have to be just a graphic novel, have some of our quotes and then just have it be like a, a coloring book, you know, stuff like that. We talked about doing stuff like that, but um, 
I think um, one thing, because we're, we're sitting on about like six songs that we didn't put on the record. And um, one thing I do want to do um, close to the top of the year in 24 is I think we're just going to do a, a self-produced, self-released record. I mean, under Spine Farm, but um, uh, just have it be something that it's just like, it's just me and the boys. We just, you know what I mean? No, no uh, studio, no nothing like that. It's just what we do, you know, like our, uh, our, our own production, our own recording and all that stuff. So I think something like that would be pretty cool at the top of the year as well. Just kind of keep that, that momentum going and, you know, into, you know, the, the spring and, 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 uh, late winter kind of touring and all that stuff. So I think it, I think it's something like that'd be cool too. Well, I think the thing that is nice about doing stuff like that is because of the traditional album cycle now of usually it takes however long to write record. And honestly, Mm -hmm. it seems like anymore we're on a five, six month waiting window for vinyl to show up and, or random touring to line up with the release of a record. So there's obviously something to promote on the road, but it becomes this thing too, where I feel like it gets tough because when you're in that consistent, like two to three year album cycle of record tour, 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 pre-pro demo, whatever, that yep. potentially if you're demoing something now already as the, rec- the the record you're about to pro- put out is already done and been done for a while, you're already probably writing stuff now. And mm-hmm. I feel like at least sort of kind of dropping stuff and just having stuff ready in the pipeline, it allows there to be more of an immediacy to like if there's a stylistic change or just something you want to incorporate. And it doesn't feel like it's so out of left field for the fans. Like, you know, you look at a band like Bring Me, you know, constantly dropping songs or even falling in reverse at this point. Like, it seems like the shift has kind of been more going back to putting out a single, maybe a B-side, and then you just kind of drop those over X amount of time when yeah. you're done. And it, and it allows you to kind of feel excited and everything is fresh because I think that's the thing, you know, everyone jokes about the demo being better. But it's like, I think there is some validity to that because you're excited about this thing you just created versus, mm-hmm. yeah, I did that nine ten months ago i'm already yeah. over it yeah yeah i've heard it a thousand times already yeah yeah exactly you know and like we did we sat on the record for quite a while we needed the uh exactly like you said the 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 touring and everything had to line up you know for the release and now so uh and talking about vinyl vinyl is uh, it's so hard to get anymore because it is like a six month wait you know and like we just order had to order like a thousand vinyls but they're not going to get here till september now and it's just like this this whole thing that it was like the pre-order thing, but it's just like, it's super annoying. It's super annoying. I wish there needs to be a couple more vinyl companies to pop up or something like that. I don't know. It's just because there's a big demand for it, you know? So if somebody's get, gets the, gets the tools, gets the equipment, I think they could be rolling in the dough, you know? Um, But yeah, it's just, it's just a hard industry with that anymore. I mean, cause you got guys like, you know, uh, who, who did it? Um, was it I was Adele? Say, if you're talking about, I was going to say Adele pushing, but Adele and yeah. Beyonce pushing to the top. Yeah. And then the big thing was that all the Adele records are now in like Goodwill for like five bucks. And it's oh, like no she kidding. indirectly, because like, that was a big thing is everyone, like I remember like Joss did that talking about how like a Hatebreed record they were waiting because Adele pushed everybody out so they could get yeah. all these records made for a worldwide distribution. And then no one fucking bought them. And they're like, so you you delayed so much of the music industry and affected so many like quote unquote smaller bands mm-hmm. and so forth that rely yeah. on these things for their livelihood for touring and so forth. And you just for what? So it could end up in a goodwill bin and no one bought them anyway. Like, right, right. That's crazy. That's crazy. I didn't know that, but I know I know she ordered like a million at a time. It was like a crazy number. It was like her, yeah. Taylor Swift, Beyonce, all at the same time. And it's just like. 
everybody's like, hey, you're just going to have to wait for two years until we can print more vinyl. You know what I mean? It was just like, yeah, it was wild. It was wild because we were going to do vinyl on the Rise of Equals record. And they're like, yeah, we can have them about this time next year. It's like, oh, OK, <laughs> that's uh, that's wild. Yeah, I pre-ordered uh, the last two Aaliyah records because she's one of my favorite artists. And they were finally released and not a million dollars to get a, a, a original variant. And they it's almost two years. I still don't have really? them. I finally gave up. I gave up because like one of them came out about seven or eight months ago in stores. I can go to like Urban Outfitter or a record store and find one of them. <laughs> uh, one yep. in a million. Just it's not the exclusive variant that I purchased. And I was like, all right, I'll pick that up so I can listen to it. But the self-titled right. uh, last record she put out, still not out. I don't have any of the records. I'm essentially out like 120 bucks. So finally I was like, fucking done dude like it's been two years and you just keep giving me this bullshit and i don't understand how you can have one copy but you can't press while you're pressing them can't press this variant out of 450 like yep. make it make sense and so like i'm just yep. i just want my money back <laughs> yeah I and then know. i feel like it's back on you guys as the band because like people don't understand it. it's not really you and it's out of your hands yeah yeah I, it's, it's hard for me to describe that to people it's like they're like well i pre-ordered i'm like i yeah i, I understand that i it's I don't know what to do for you. I, I can't help you. They'll be here in September. They're like, yeah, but I pre-ordered. I'm like, yeah, I still, I get it. I get it. But they'll be here in September. You know what I mean? It's like, it's literally, it's not me pressing them. Cause if I was pressing them, they'd be done. You know what I mean? But it's, it's not me guys, you know? I just, I, and that's another thing that's so funny as I get older, like uh, thinking about like movies, like how fast movies come to like straight to DVD or to rent or in some instances, like they'll co put them in the theater and make it to where you can rent them like from your home. And I'm like, man, yeah. there, it would sometimes take a year, year and a half from when something was released in a movie theater to like a VHS and I can go rent it yeah. at like a blockbuster. Like people have no patience for anything nowadays. Like it would just uh -huh. be wild to see like how people would exist in that capacity. Oh yeah, I know. I was actually just talking to my daughter about that because like we don't go to the movie theaters anymore. If I if there's a movie out that we want to see, I, I just get it on like Voodoo for like five bucks or whatever. You know what I mean? Or I'll, I buy the movie for fifteen bucks on Voodoo, and then it's just I'm like, when I was a kid, it wasn't like this. It wasn't like this. We had to wait and wait and wait. And if somebody already had it rented out, you had to wait longer. You know what I mean? So it's uh, it's such a fast food world. And like I swear to God, like everything is dropping so fast when it comes to like the the movie industry and everything. It's like the storylines and everything aren't as good as what they used to be. I don't think because they're trying to push them out so fast that I think they're rushing through all the stories. You don't, you don't get the backstory and everything like, like you used to that I loved about movies where you got to know the character. And I, I just, it's uh it's really strange, you know, how, how my daughter will love a movie. And I'm like, yeah, it was, it was crap. It like, they did a hard edit. Like, okay, he was seven. Okay. Now he's 35 and he's fighting <laughs> zombies or something. You know what I mean? Like, where's the backstory? What, what's building up here? But, um yeah it's, it's it's just the way it is well my wife and i had that same thing like uh watching walking dead like that was a, a graphic novel that someone else i had dated had given me a lot of the uh novels of so i got really excited when the show was coming out and the first season pretty much follows the the, the novel pretty pretty true to life and by the time we get to the second season spoilers i guess uh where they get to the farm my wife started watching then and she was like this is so slow i was like it's all exposition it's all character building like yep. there's there's something that's gonna happen toward the end of this season that like will make all of this worth it like it's gonna be a powder keg like when it happens like a lot of shit's gonna happen very quickly yep. and she was just like it's so slow and i was like 
it's going to be worth it. I promise you. And then it'd be like another episode. It's just like, when does the thing happen? I go, not till probably the end, like probably yeah. another like seven or eight episodes. And it's just like one of those things where it's frustrating at times. I use my wife as this analogy because, and she knows that she's impatient. Um, but it, it's it's so crazy to see how different her and I are, and we're like two months apart in age. Like we're both gonna be thirty nine in, in like a couple months, and it's a thing where it's just absolutely astounding that it's like you and I grew up in the exact same time. I don't know how I have all this patience and and can just wait for something, and you're like, need it now. <laughs> yep, yep, I know. I can't imagine how it is with a kid. Yeah, yeah, because my daughter, I mean. Uh, she just turned, well, she turned 14 in November and, um, that's been a roller coaster. You, you, so you've seen the movie big with Tom mm, Hanks. Yes. Oh yeah. Great movie. Well, I don't so, know. I haven't seen know, it in a while. I may not hold up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, it's like he goes to bed at night and then he wakes up and he, and he's big Tom Hanks. I swear to God, when you have a kid, if do you have any kids, no, nope. You know, no kids. So, oh, my daughter went to bed one night and she was like my sweet little innocent baby girl. And then she woke up and she was 30 years old and like running the house. I don't know. She bigged us. She she really bigged us. Um, but yeah, she has no patience at all. She has no patience at all. It's like one of those things with the new generation. It's where it's like it's like it's out. Everything's out and it's everything's tangible. And it's like they have no patience to wait for it. And it's like. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go when we when we have time. It's like, yeah, but we can go now. You know, it's like it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I guess because like I feel like this might be a really weird question. It's just something I just thought of. But having a child of that age, because I feel like now when I go to shows with some of like the bands that you're going like Memphis Mayfire and like Norma Jean and some of these other bands I've toured with, they appeal mm -hmm. to such a wide demographic either because they appeal to a wide demographic or in the case of like a Norma Jean, Memphis Mayfire, some of these other bands, even Red, you know, they've been around for a decade, two decades, whatever. And, you know, they bring in multi-generational fans with them like sometimes you might see kids yeah. and their parents coming to shows is it interesting to to kind of be where you are now and kind of realize like you you're kind of not catering to like your demographic maybe initially was this and now all of a sudden you got to yeah. this way and you're like i appeal to everything from here to here and is it, it is kind of just wild to know that that's a thing now because i i don't i don't know i don't dad rock gets thrown so much by a lot of my friends with kid like oh anything on like octane's dad rock and i'm like i don't yeah. think so but i'm I'm not a dad i don't know yeah yeah i don't think so but i am a dad too so i i guess i don't know um uh but it is great <laughs> it is great seeing like you know because we were on tour with uh, a tray you and um just seeing kids out there uh you know on their dad's shoulders you know throwing up the horns and everything and it's like it's great to see that that you know this 35 year old guy is bringing his 10 year old son or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Or uh, daughters. And, you know, so whenever we play locally, uh, like Omaha or Sioux Falls, Sioux city, anything like that, I always make sure my, my daughter comes to the shows and it's, I never think about it at the time, but every time she's like, Oh, so-and-so's here, so-and-so's here. And it's like, it's a group of, you know, like 10 teenage kids, you know, and I'm like, Oh man, I guess I don't even realize that half these kids are here most of the time. It's just like, they're just out there rocking out with everybody else. So it's, it's cool to see that that uh, that is such a it's uh, it's a tight group that always comes these younger kids that are that are at these shows and when I'm out there I'm I'm pretty much I I 
get rid of everything I have because I'm like, if I see a 10 year old kid out there, nine year old kid, I'm like, Hey man, here's my hat. Hey man, here's my, here's my whatever. You know what I mean? So I'm walking out of there, like just, just a t-shirt on because I gave everything away. Um, but it's cool. I love that. I love, I love trying to do that. And one time uh, just, we stopped at the gas station after the show and this, uh, this family was there and they were just, they were just at the show. I didn't get to give them nothing. So I ran back to the bus. I grabbed some bandanas and I grabbed a hat and I just tied it on all their wrists and everything like that. And they were like blown away. Like the, the dad messaged us later on, on uh, Instagram and stuff. He's like, I can't believe you did that. That was wild. That was, that was the best thing ever. And um, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I just, I love doing that. I like trying to bring these kids um, something. I mean, it's, it's nothing for me. You know, it's a $2 bandana that I'll sign quick that I, you know, I just tie around my wrist so I can wipe my bald head. You know what I mean? So, uh, (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's just it's. I love doing that. I love doing that for the kids, though. You know, something as you were kind of talking about that, and we're kind of talking about kids and such. I'm sort of reminded, and ironically, it was on a, a tour with Atreyu. Um, my friend uh, Mark from Nothing More brought out his kid mm. uh, on the first couple of dates on that Asking Alexandria Atreyu tour, and it's funny because I know Phoenix. I guess isn't really big into nothing more it seems like for from the conversations i think uh mark and i've had about it but he's big into atreyu and was like really excited to see them and i it's something i don't really think of because again i don't have a kid so like when i hear these stories in my head it's it's probably how like i assume like my wife is with the podcast probably never listens to any of it and that's fine like Mm -hmm. i don't do it for her uh but it's it's funny that our closest ones kind of don't really care so much (laughs) about what we do but they love the other byproduct of the people that we see our friends with, whatever is your daughter interested in your band? Does she enjoy what you do? Or is it sometimes like that same thing with like Mark's kid where it's like, Holy shit, you're touring with a tray. I love a tray or Hey, you're playing with so-and-so that's so cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, uh, she, she does love that. Uh, she, uh, but she's a big fan of what we do, which is nice. And like, honestly, on the song tooth and nail, um, the the choir of girls singing in the in in the first uh, part of the song is is my uh, daughter and Zach's two daughters. So oh, okay. um, we we uh, incorporate them into that level and stuff. And she's uh, trying to convince me to give her uh, her friends bass and guitar lessons. So because she wants to start a band so bad. Um, so yeah, she's really into it and it's really cool. But you know when she comes out and I'm like, hey, you know, hey, me, this is Mark from Nothing More, or this is you know Chris from Motionless and White, you know, you know shake his hand, you know, whatever. So she's, she's, she's always starstruck with stuff like that. So, but I think that's super cool too. And she's always like, Oh my God, I love this band. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's really cool. She, she's, there's moments where it's not often she thinks I'm pretty cool. So um, (laughs) those are kind of the moments. (laughs) Well, I think it just, it's, it's uh, like, I get it on, on some smaller levels and, and I try to, it's very much like what you were saying, like where you kind of try to bring other people into it or do something or try to give people a thing when you can, because like it's and it sounds so kind of like shitty for me to say, because it's like I'm not in a band. I don't do the thing. But through doing this and making a lot of friends in the industry, I get a lot of really cool opportunities and, and things that like like I joke at times like going years ago to see uh, a trio in Memphis Mayfire and they were doing like their meet and greet. And then like people paid to hang out with them. And then it's like, yeah, as soon as they're done with that and doing the Q and a, it's like, I'm going to go hang out with Patrick from my, I'm going to go hang out with Porter. Like these are my friends. I'm just going to go hang out with them. And it, it kind of just puts it all into perspective at times where you're like, this is a a really cool thing I get to do. And there are a lot of people who would 
re- like literally would pay lots of money to to have these opportunities and i kind of need to be a, a little bit more aware of it but b when i can sharing those opportunities with people sharing those experiences because they are yep. y- you kind of grow to take them for advantage sometimes and yes. it it gets interesting to kind of like you know, very recently, like there was a, a actually uh, Memphis Mayfire played a festival here in Grand Rapids. And I was hoping the package was coming through because I haven't seen Corey in, in quite a while. And I was interested mm-hmm. to see you guys as well. And I don't know what you and Norma Jean did on that off day, but um, it was interesting to kind of just think about and have some friends come out and kind of have like the VIP at a festival. Where it's like, yeah, there's here's like the VIP you can be in. But then with our media passes, we can get here. We can go do this. We can hang yep. out people. We can be side stage, backstage, whatever. And some people, like a friend of mine that had never experienced that was like, this was just so cool. I've never gotten to do anything like that. And I'm like, yeah, man, I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> I, 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 like, and you just, you just feel kind of like a dick. Cause you're just like, yeah, I, I guess it is something that's cool. I, I don't know. I'm just used to it by now. So it just, it's a thing. Like, I don't think about it like that. So yeah. I think to just to experience the, that, that excitement, uh, through other people's eyes can be really interesting. And I think can kind of keep it fresh for you as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of times where I just take, take that stuff for granted, you know, and there's sometimes where it kind of wakes you up like, Holy, you know, I'm really here. I'm really doing this. And that was just playing, um, uh, uh, rock fest up in Wisconsin. You know, mm. I'm standing backstage and like, while Slipknot's back, they're kind of like warming themselves up. Like, let's go guys, let's go guys. And it's like, am I really seeing this right now? Because it's like Corey Taylor and you know what I mean? Like all this stuff. It's like, this is, it's kind of wild, but um, that's the moments where you're just like, man, that's, I'm really, I'm out here doing something and like everybody, you know, they're opening the doors for you and everything. It's like, I went up, uh, we got guest listed, Heather and I did um, my wife and I for um, a festival in, in Omaha. And, um, and there, there was, there was a couple moments where like they're driving by on the golf carts and like, I'm never like the spectator. I would just be like, Hey man, give me a ride up to main stage. You know what I mean? Just being, you know, the performer, but I'm like, I can't do that. I have to walk a freaking mile down this road to go to the show. And like, I'm not used to that. I mean, it's, but it's, it's cool. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm really glad we went up and did that. And like, it was, it was kind of a cool thing I wanted to do for my wife. Um, uh, Blake from, uh, fame on fire guest listed us for the the festival and everything. And, uh, met up some friends and stuff there. And I mean, just moments like that too, where it's just like, Hey man, what are you doing? Hey, come, I've come play. Uh, I'm playing a festival in Omaha. You want to come down and hang out? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. You know? So it's, it, it's cool. And, and I got to learn not to take that stuff for granted so much um, because it is, it is really cool that, that we get to do that stuff. I think the harder part about it. And, you know, and I've talked about this quite a bit and I think I actually just kind of made a post about this again on Instagram because I'm kind of bad at, a taking photos with me in them because I'm just like I I don't I was there I don't need the thing I don't need to be in the photo to be reminded but then sometimes like as I get older and I've lost friends and family and so forth and it's like you go to look for a photo or something you're like fuck I don't have I have one and it's from like 15 years ago yeah um and and I know we've hung out so many more times than than this one or two times that I have photo photographic evidence of or whatever but it's the thing where uh, a friend that uh friend of mine that I had booked there a uh, long time ago, he had left that band stayed in contact. And now he is uh, a studio musician, but also now is like the drummer for train. So train came through and I got to see my friend and he like left. And I like sat there with my wife and I was like, fuck, I should have taken a photo with Matt. And then, so I texted him. I was like, Hey, 
real annoying ask when you're done can we grab a photo like i i want to be better at doing that and he's like absolutely and so like yeah. we took a photo and like i don't usually smile in photos and stuff because i just grew up playing sports so you don't smile in photos yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and was it was a thing where like i took a photo and like i look back on it on occasion when i'm getting ready to post stuff on on my socials and i'm like i'm glad i did it i'm glad i took that photo and like i'm trying to be more aware of like doing stuff like that because i think i think there will be a point and this sounds like kind of morose, but it's like there will be a point where it's like, like either I'll I'll be gone or I won't be doing this or that person won't be touring. And like the the ability for me to see them face to face will kind of be not as not as much of an opportunity. And yeah. it just again, like, I don't know, something about getting older, like 40 is like kind of quickly coming. And I've been waiting to be 40 for like five years, essentially, because I'm like, OK, 35. Cool. 40 is the next one. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I'm, I don't I don't think I'm really going to care about 45. I think I'm just going to be like as soon as I turn 40 I'm like can I can I be 50 now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's the thing is like I I don't I don't want my life to just pass me by. Like I don't wish to just like big is a great example. I don't wish for my life just to to go by me, but I also understand that it's like as things happen it's like this is just my life and it gets harder to remember to to kind of take yourself out of it for a minute and just kind of appreciate mm -hmm. literally what's going on around you and and to to be present and cognizant of, of everything and be thankful for it because it can be gone in, in, in an instant. Yeah. 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 And like, that's one thing I, I was just talking to my brother, Zach about that too, about being more aware of that. Um, just do uh, capturing some of those moments where it's like, um, I won't think about it until we're back on the, on the bus and we're heading to the next one. I'm like, man, I should have taken a picture with, with Sam or I should, I should have done this. You know, it's like, I got to be more self-aware of that just because it's like you said, I mean, like my brother, Caleb, he passed away in 2009. We have one picture of him, one picture. Mm. And it's just like, that's crazy to think about. And that's not, it, I don't want my, my kids know him based on the one picture, you know what I mean? And it's just like, I don't want that to, to, to happen. I want, I want to have a lot of baby pictures of my kids and, you know, and stuff like that. And like document, yeah, Hey, this is me. And, you know, Sam from, you know, whatever architects, Hey, this is, you know what I mean? I want to have that, that kind of those moments and, you know, capture those. So I definitely got to be more, more aware of that when I'm, when I'm in the moment for sure. I get something, you know, I, it's not that I forgot that you're literally in a band with your brother, but I guess as we're kind of talking about all this right now, do you feel that it makes it, I guess it doesn't, I don't, I'll just say how I'm going to say it and it'll just kind of fall because I'll overthink it to death. Do you feel like it's it's better that you have a familial person in this whole experience with you? So that way it makes the the time being away from your actual family, the rest of your family, at least like you have the familial bond with you that you get to experience all these things. And it kind of makes it more acceptable to be gone, makes it less shitty to be gone. I don't I don't like I said, I can't quite figure put my finger on what I want to say, but yeah yeah um, I, maybe you'll kind of get my correlation yeah yeah and like you know zach zach one, one yeah he's my brother but he's my best friend um he's like we're like partners like you know whatever we're doing like um like i just rebuilt all of our stage production stuff you know and welded it all up and everything and um him and i over there you know doing stuff and programming lights and you know doing all that stuff and we just do everything we do most things together, most everything together. And it's just like, it'd be really hard. I think it'd be really hard to be in a band without somebody like that. I'm glad that I have, I'm glad that I have somebody like that, that 
is my brother, but he's also my best friend where it's like, literally we're, we're getting together at Christmas and you know what I mean? All the family reunions and all that stuff. So um, it, it's great. I, I think it'd be really hard to, to be in a band, especially a, a touring band um, without somebody that close. I, I don't know what, I don't know what it's like. So I don't, I, I just think it would be difficult. I often think about more as well, just the, They say, you know, and I, it's gender aside, uh, you know, essentially that when you have a band and you go make a go of it and so forth and you do all this, essentially you are, you know, you're in a committed relationship. It's like a marriage. You know, you, mm-hmm. you kind of learn each other's quirks, what makes you tick, like, you know, the highs, the lows, everything in between. And I feel like it's like obviously not a lot of people get to do it with their actual family. So I feel like it mm-hmm. kind of sometimes either the, the highs can be even higher because you're like, we literally dreamed about this like when we were yeah. growing up and we did, you know, whatever, listening to this record, whatever it was. But sometimes I also wonder if it's like, does it make it harder at times too? Cause you're like, fuck, I just wish <laughs> I like had my own <laughs> thing for like a little bit, like without like you being here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I've never, I've never felt that way uh, about Zach. Like, uh, but we, yeah, that's, that's the way it was though. I mean, when we were kids, we were young kids and we, like from like Goodwill or I don't even know where I'm not even sure where it came from, but we had like a, a VHS tape of Nirvana unplugged and we'd sit mm. there and we watched it every single day after school. And like, we wore the, we wore it out. I mean, you couldn't, it was just like, you know, fuzzy screen, you know, after a while, it's like, we literally wore the thing out and we're sitting there like, yeah, we're going to do MTV unplugged someday. We're going to do, you know what I mean? Love. So it's like, uh, we definitely had that dream together and it was, uh, it's I think it's more rewarding because you have somebody that's close that close to you and has you've been doing it with them for so long that you can the high fives are a little bit crisper because it's just like, yeah, we worked our butts off from the ground up. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, it, it, I, I do. I appreciate that stuff. You know, I I feel like some like it's funny because the only other time I've, I've asked this was with uh, Jason Boyd from Audio Event, Brandon from Incubus's brother. And. I asked this question and, and it was funny because on uh, on the YouTube version, someone commented and I'm like, you totally missed the point of what I was saying. Because I asked, I was like, you know, growing up, you know, I it's interesting to see and parents being very supportive, not saying that their parents aren't supportive of their kids, but having parents who are supportive of their kids, like getting into music at a young age, traveling with them to go take them to shows, letting them tour mm-hmm. maybe at a young age where it's kind of sketchy and a lot of you know Mm -hmm. question marks and so i was like what was it like kind of growing up in in an environment where it was kind of encouraged and can like fostered this this relationship with uh music and finding yourself and so forth so i guess you know i would like to ask the same question since you went through it obviously both you and your brother living in the same household what Mm -hmm. was kind of the environment growing up with for you with your parents uh when you started going down this you know path of wanting to tour and be a musician yeah. Well, my dad, my dad's a good drummer. My, my dad has always been a really good drummer. He never played in bands or anything like that. Um, but when we were young kids and, and, uh, he bought us our first trap set and everything, he, he bought us our first drums. And, uh, just because we were playing with this kid in high school and he just refused to buy anything. And my dad's like, I'll buy the, I'll buy the drum set. You know what I mean? Because you got to be able to play good gear and all that stuff. So, um, uh, so he was always, always encouraging with it. Um, my mom was like our biggest fan. Um, she always 
bought so much merchandise from us because I don't <laughs> think that woman ever wore anything besides a salt shirt. You know what I mean? Like that's just the way she was. Um, but it was always great when you go to do the reprints. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's always been great. And like you know, the local stuff. My parents would would help us out. You know, like borrow the truck or whatever because we had to get gear because we were playing. You know, a couple towns over or in Sioux City or whatever. So they were always really supportive of everything that we did. And um, you know, and when we'd get done playing the show, we'd go back. You know, and go to school and then work our, you know, our, I was washing dishes. Zach was doing, you know, dietary aid stuff for the, you know, nursing home and stuff like that. So, um, there was just like, as long as you keep, you know, working at everything, you know what I mean? They're just, they're, they were really supportive of everything we did. What has been, is there a moment for the, like a show moment or whatever that stands out where, you know, you're, you're playing a show and like, parents are there or whatever like is there like one moment where you're like i remember this show so vividly this moment so vividly yeah yeah i i really do okay so we were playing um we were down in iowa city and my dad doesn't come to a whole lot of shows he's usually uh, just working or you know what i mean just doing his thing but um i, I remember he came to a show and then uh we we got done with the song and we're just getting ready to bust into brother our last song of the of the night and for some reason, I thought about it. I just looked over at him, and then he just goes, holy shit, like, because it's packed crowd, you know what I mean, everything, and he's kind of looking around, and he looks at me, he's like, oh, like, it's it's on, you know what I mean, like, everybody was building up for brother and everything, so just that look on his, on his face of, like, being there, you know, living that for a moment of just, like, the my boys are really doing it kind of thing, so I, that was kind of a cool you know, we didn't talk about it afterwards or anything like that. We just let it be what it was. But I could tell in that moment he was like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm proud of my boys. So it, it was a cool feeling. I think it's one of those like. And it's it, it's so weird, again, like just how sometimes life will pan out and things that you. Again, trying to just in, embrace being a fan of something and, and admitting it, you know, watching like the Kill Switch DVD where like they focused and there's like a whole part of the DVD about, you know, Joel and uh, Joel's mom basically and how she because they used to practice in in their house and so they're mm -hmm. like talking about like oh yeah joel's mom's the greatest she'd make all these cookies and they're talking to like scott lee the promoter at like the palladium and other bands yeah. like oh my god her cookies are great and she'd make us all this food and blah 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 and you know it was kind of weird fast forwarding like getting to to be friends with tyler like joel's brother and he was mentioning something about his mom and i was like said something and he was like how do you know about that? How do you know? I was like, dude, the fucking DVD. And he's like, oh yeah, you want me, you want me like, and I think he joked one time because he was going to go on a tour that was coming up here. He goes, do you want my mom to make you cookies? And I was like, kind of <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. just to, just to like experience it. I don't know. Like I was like, it's the weird thing. And I was like, I, I kind of, yeah, like I can make my own cookies. My mom can make my own cookies for me, but like, I don't know. Like I've watched this thing for so long that I'm like, <laughs> yeah. the, her baking skills apparently are so fucking legendary that you had like someone had uh stickers made sweet tooth and gauge. And then I remember he oh, like yeah, found one and cool. sent it, sent it to me. And I was like, cool. Like it's, it's something that's so stupid, but like, I love when, it kind of becomes more of this thing. It's, it, you know, like I said, bands in the thing are, are a family and, you know, even something I think, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, you you call your fans equals, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. So, I mean, it, it creates that kind of same dynamic where essentially it's, it's, you're not fans. You're not, you know, you're, you're kind of friends. You're, you're a part of all of this. All of this doesn't yep. happen without you. And so to kind of be involved in, in something and kind of be, feel like a part of a scene or a community more of the fact 
it's it's a lot of fun and it's again i guess it's kind of the overarching theme of this thing is just kind of being appreciative and and understanding like why this this journey is awesome when you step back and look at it yeah even though yeah, i joke yeah. that uh you know it's the end of the world it's the end of everything <laughs> uh, yeah yeah i mean yeah yeah well i mean one thing we definitely try to do is is bring a definite camaraderie and like a family kind of atmosphere when we're, when we're playing shows and, and seeing the fans and everything. And we definitely, after every show, we try to make it a point to get back by the merch so we can shake hands and sign stuff and all that stuff. We want it to be, you know, the, the term, the equals, it, it really came just from, from that, that kind of attitude of like, we're, we're not going to do anything without you guys. I mean, you're a lot bigger part of the band than I think they realize in that, you know, they're they're like fangirling or whatever on you a little bit and it's just like hey man i mean like you're a brother man like it's it you know what i mean it's like we're cool man i'll, I'll shake your hand and I'll, I'll hug you or whatever like that and they're just like oh my god you know it's like no i mean you can come over to my house my wife's making lasagna you know what i mean like it's it's <laughs> fine it's it's um but it's cool it's cool uh, definitely trying to have that vibe of uh uh like family and like togetherness is, is definitely what we try to do Kind of as I hate to cut it short, but my wife, I can smell the steaks that she's cooking right now, and I'm getting mm. very, very hungry. <laughs> um, you know, it's, I feel like, you know, you got, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, your last record before this one that's coming out, uh, pandemic happened basically right when it was about to drop. So you didn't really get to support it. Yeah. When you gear up kind of for the shows you've been doing, and I guess even kind of moving forward, do you feel that you still kind of have to honor that that touring cycle you didn't really get to do in addition to now kind of finding a way to incorporate all this new material for the stuff that's coming out? Or are you just kind of focused solely on, you know, the new thing moving forward? No, no. I mean, because definitely, I mean, there's going to be staples in our set that we can't ever get rid of. You know what I mean? Like brother, King of Misery, stuff like that. You know what I mean? And like, we love those songs. I mean, especially playing a song like brother, um, I mean, the crowd is louder than we are when we're playing that song. I mean, it's just, there's a huge passion, you know, for that song and like what it means and everything. So um, we definitely, we definitely felt the, you know, we were supposed to be out to uh, supporting Hell Yeah and All That Remains and Butcher Babies, you know, to, to support the record on the release. And uh, yeah, when the pandemic hit, it just derailed everything. The whole train came, you know, kind of crashing down, but uh now with you know getting out there and being able to support this record it's almost like a, a refresh like a like a restart to the whole thing you know so it's it's great but i mean we we got all those songs that we'd be playing for you know a long time i mean we're get, we're gearing up we're going to be up in wisconsin on the 17th and we're pretty much doing the whole rise is equals record you know what i mean mm. so it's you know it's going to be it's going to be a good time you know plus we're sprinkling in like four new songs and you know just stuff like that and you know, not entirely basing everything off just the new record because, you know, people still, you know, love and want to hear, you know, the Rise is Equal stuff. And, and then when we get out and support Red this fall, um, we're going to incorporate, uh, you know, some more of the new songs and still have the King of Miseries and the Brothers and the Look into Fights. And so I, th I think it'll be cool. You know, it's going to be a, a good mix of all of it. Yeah, I think it's it's just when you think about it or when I think about it, it just gets it's kind of tough because it feels like maybe that record doesn't get as fair of a shake as you didn't really get to support it as, as much as you have everything, you know, on the either side of it, a book ended, but it's uh something where I, I find because clearly people will gravitate towards certain songs off of that just through Spotify numbers, whatever. So yep. it becomes this thing where you're like, 
kind of still maybe want to give like this song, you know, and like it just the, the, the dynamic of doing something live and figuring out like, okay, what do we do? Because we have so much time, blank amount of songs. And now, like you're saying, like you have songs that people come to expect you probably a handful. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you're doing, you know, that first to four or whatever, you know, you're looking at maybe a 35 minute set and you're like, all yeah. right, uh, where do I, like, I got to push the new thing. Cause that's the thing we're selling and what's going to yeah. keep us going. I got to play these old things. Cause that's what everyone knows. And it's kind of like, I look at that record where it's like, does it just kind of fall on, on by the wayside essentially? Because you're like, well, it's just kind of the nature of where we're at, unfortunately, because of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit for sure. Um, you know, there's definitely that vibe and, and you know, and it's almost like a, a good, a, a good thing of, uh, there were, there, there was songs on Rise is Equals record that people really, really gravitated to, you know, uh, King of Misery, um, Brother, obviously, um, you know, Trial by Fire was, you know, the Spotify numbers and, you know, we kind of look at that to see what people are expecting us to play, um, so we're always going to have those as staples. And I know it didn't, and, and like releasing it during the pandemic, it didn't get a fair enough shake. I don't think, you know what I mean? For, um, for what it is, because I, I'll get a message every once in a while, like, man, just went back and re-listened to the Rise of Equals record. It's, it's amazing from start to finish, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. And, you know, and it's, it's kind of a good problem to have of where, when we're <laughs> picking songs to, to do the set list of like, it's hard to just like, man, we can't, we don't have enough time. We can't do rises equals, or we can't do this. We can't do this. And then you're trying to sprinkle in the new songs. Um, and then somebody's be like, Oh, but you didn't play, you know, things change or you didn't. It's like, bro, I got 30 minutes. We got seven songs. You know what I mean? Like I gotta, something's got to cut somewhere. So it's, it's, it's cool. And I'm going to be putting out for this, um, for this red uh, tour coming out, uh, coming up. Um, I'm going to put out a video of, uh, I want people to pick 10 songs, um from either record and make their own set list and then we're going to try to play in in the city that we come to for the red tour so i think something like that's going to be pretty pretty interesting yeah i I've, I've seen a lot more bands do that and it's always interesting almost always those shows never those tours never come through my area <laughs> yeah. uh where, either where as either in run? grand rapids michigan oh, okay yep Yep. So you guys aren't. I don't. I don't even think you're playing Michigan at whole at all on this uh, red tour. I don't remember. Uh, machine I don't shop. Think. Machine, machine shop, shop in okay. November, I think. Yep. Um, it's kind of weird. Michigan's. You know, that's a whole other tangent. Uh, where I was gonna say, I don't feel like. I feel like Grand Rapids people I see traveling to shows all over. I don't feel like I see people from Flint or Detroit ever touring or traveling anywhere to see shows anywhere else other than just where they are. Um, but I guess yep. that's the spoils of a machine shop. You know, it is a special vibe. Like almost every show, it seems always sells out uh, there for yep. like the good shows, and it's a it's a vibe unto itself. Can't really explain it unless you go there. Um, love the venue. Yeah, the cr and, I love the crew too, man. That Vinny rocks. Yeah, and Detroit. You know, they're just spoiled. They're in a market. You know, we're here, and and I would say it's a B plus market, Grand Rapids. Uh, you know, between Chicago and and Detroit, we got our own. You know different size rooms and so forth but yeah uh, yeah just, I, I love grand rapids i mean because we play i it, the music factory you guys have right that's battle creek so that's about that's an battle hour creek. away yep gotcha okay yep. but those battle creek people i mean I've, i see the the people that run uh music factory up this way all the time so i mean it's it's weird like this side of the state i feel like we 
go and tour and go or tour. I can always say tour. We, uh, we go and show out and go out to all the different shows. Although my wife and I now, and I've said it to a handful of people and I think they're starting to do the same. Uh, it's the same distance from here as it is to Detroit, as it is from here to Fort Wayne. So a lot of times we'll just oh. go to Fort Wayne cause, uh, it's just, it's usually cheaper to stay uh, if we're going to stay overnight and being completely selfish. If I'm there really to hang out with a friend, I'm not competing with like a million people. The only people, right. I, the only people I do have to compete with is Sweetwater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. and, and that, uh, that relationship usually trumps mine, which I understand, but it's, uh, it's a thing where like, I like Pierre's uh, and the Clyde theater, both uh, really great venues down that way. And it's funny. Cause like a lot of people have started to go there now and they're like, it's actually is a lot nicer down here and like a lot more chill. And I'm like, yeah, it's way easier drive than going to Detroit and dealing with that and spending like $600 for a hotel for the night. Right. Right. But. Right. I mean, I do. I, I was, uh, and Detroit, I mean, hopefully it's coming back a little bit. The first time I drove through Detroit, I couldn't believe what I was seeing though. Like with the overgrown buildings and like the burnt down buildings. I mean, that's, that's an interesting place in itself. I mean, so um, Detroit's always cool. We play a place up there. What's it called? Um, Oh my gosh! It's like a big bowling alley. Oh, oh my uh, gosh! Well, I was gonna say Garden Bowl, but that's not what it—that doesn't exist anymore. Um, I think I know the venue you're talking about, but it's funny because, yeah. like, when people think of Detroit, it's like out of outside of like St. Andrews Hall um, and like a few other like venues. Like, like uh, a lot of other ones are like in pockets away from. It's like. Like the loving touch is in Ferndale. That's not technically Detroit. Um, yeah. Smalls, uh, not technically in Detroit. Like just things like that where you're just like, that's not Detroit. <laughs> right. <laughs> like even right. that is 20, 30 minutes away from itself, uh, from actual Detroit. So, and then it's, you, you know, you got the Canadian border. So, like, you know, some of the awesome Canadian tours, I always want to be like, do I really want to drive like four hours and go to Canada and see this like crazy, like one off tour, like that's got four dates um, right. with all that? The answer is no. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. I already know how terrible it is for vans to have to cross. Like, I don't want to do it any more oh. than I have to either. <laughs> no, I thought I was going to be tamed, detained one time crossing the border into Canada. I mean, and it was just like they took the bus, they took the trailer, they searched everything. And it's like, Plain we don't bring drugs or nothing on, on the road. I mean, it's just, you know, we're a bunch of dads, you know, doing dad rock shit. And, um, but man, they, they were just like, they were like, grilling me about something i did like a public intox i i got like when i was like 18 i'm like bro that was like 15 years ago what are you even talking you know what i mean like it was crazy they almost didn't even let me cross the border but oh well they did the crazy one is when uh people talk about how they try to sneak in merch and then get busted for that and have to pay all the extra taxes on it yeah yeah we didn't even bring merch when we went up there nope seems smarter just to have it printed in pick it up wherever at a show. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what we were going to do because uh, we went up there, we were with uh, light the torch. Um, mm. And so we missed the Toronto date, but we came back and we played Winnipeg and um, we were going to have the merch, what just shipped over there or something I think was, was the deal. And then we just decided to screw it. We just left it all pretty much at the border and then picked it up <laughs> on our way back. <laughs> I'm also wondering at this point from the different tours that you've talked about doing where I have like friends on like every band, like Atreyu, like all these different bands. I'm like, how the hell have you and I have not run into each other at on one of these tours at some point? I don't know. Or maybe we have know. and just don't 
have no recollection. Maybe, yeah, maybe we did. Maybe we did. I'll have to start looking back through the tours and figure that out because it's like, yeah, between half of the bands that like you've talked about, I'm like, I, those are my friends. Like, how, yeah. how have I not? <laughs> how have I not met you? Because usually, especially like a tree, nothing more. Like those guys are always good at uh, when we're hanging. You know, like introducing, like, hey, this is so and so from this band or whatever. Mm-hmm. So kind of shocked as we've been talking like how the fuck have we never like been introduced from any of the people (laughs) that we both seemingly know uh at the shows especially you know since most of them have come through grand rapids or detroit in the last you know five six years almost the tenure of the band so at that point it's like there's kind of no excuse as to how i haven't met you at this point yeah 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 i don't know i don't know that's crazy that is crazy i mean because like we become really good friends with mark from nothing more um uh, we're actually, so uh, to, going all the way back when we were talking about doing an EP, we actually were, we're sitting on a song that we did with Mark that we might release, mm-hmm. you know, next year. Um, uh, he's a really cool guy. I really, I really like Mark. Um, I haven't met the rest of the guys in the band though. He's the only one I know. And like when we did, uh, where were we at? Louder than life or incarceration or something like that. Um, it was cool just getting to chill with him and like getting to chill with him and Jerry Cantrell. What? Like, that's the stuff I'm talking about where it's like, man, I got, I should have got a picture of this. People aren't going to believe me, but sitting there shooting the shit with, with Jerry Cantrell. I'm like, this is Jerry freaking Cantrell, dude. You know what I mean? And stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, it's cool. It was cool. I love that stuff. Yeah. It gets, I mean like literally like uh, I started up another podcast with some friends and we do it where I'm literally sitting. Um, and so we were doing it yesterday we got talking about metallica or something i don't remember what the how and it just got brought up but i was like yeah i just i i kind of i kind of made a joke and lucked my way into being guest listed for the metallica show coming through because ice nine's on it and so yeah it started with my wife and i going oh that's not like a sunday we should just go buy tickets and go go see patrick and and then my wife's like, well, could you ask? I was like, I don't know. That seems like a really big ask to be like this stadium tour. You're the opening band and it's fucking Metallica. Like, I don't know. I don't, I, that's, that feels too, I don't already don't like asking for guest list shit. That mm-hmm. feels like way too big of an ask. So I was like, let's, let's look at tickets. And then she was like, well, how much do you think floor tickets are? And I was like, Oh, probably expensive. Like <laughs> I go probably expensive, like five, $600 expensive. And then I looked and they were like two thousand plus dollars. And I was like, oh my and I was like kidding. I was like, no. I was like, maybe, maybe I'll just keep an eye on for like nosebleeds or something and, and we'll just go. And then we can plan like an IKEA trip around it because IKEA is out that way. And then I sent a screenshot though, because I've been drinking. So I just thought it was funny that it's like, here's how out of touch <laughs> I am with Metallica cost of tickets. And then it ended up being a thing where uh Patrick's like Dude, I'm just guessing it's you and your wife. It's fine. And I was like, really? That'd, yeah. be, that'd be so like so appreciated. And I was telling my friends, they're like, oh, have you ever seen Metallica? And I was like, no. I was like, I'll probably stick around for like maybe one or two songs, maybe three, and then just fucking bounce and try to go hang out with Patrick around town or whatever. And they're like, what? You're not going to stick around for Metallica? I was like, nah. I was like, I'm not. Yeah. Like, I was like, the whole, the, whole, the whole reason I wanted to go wasn't to see Metallica. It was to go see my friend. Yeah. I was like, Metallica just happens to be there. But I was like, nah, I don't know. Like, I would rather spend the time that I don't get to hang out with my friend very often and hang out with him. Metallica will uh, probably eventually come to Grand Rapids. And if I really want to go, I'll just go then. Yeah. But I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Like, and so it was funny. Like everyone's been kind of giving me shit. They're like, I can't believe you would just stick around for like two, three songs of Metallica. Like there's just some blow off band. And I go, 
I don't know, man. Like I was telling my podcast sponsor the other day and I fucking blew his mind because I was like, Matsuda is equivalent and this doesn't take away anything from either of the things I'm comparing. But like I go, they're essentially the Star Wars of like hard rock metal. And I go, you don't even have to actively go out of your way to listen to them, to know all their music, to know who they are, what they've done, probably can do all of the hits they're going to play. And I go, like, dude, Mandatory Metallica was a thing on the radio. Like, I, you didn't even have to, like, you didn't yeah. have to be a fan. And so, like, I made the comment about it, and I was just like, I, I don't dislike their music, but I just don't ever feel the need to go out of my way to actively listen to it because it's always somewhere someone's talking about it someone's playing it and then right after i was texting him i was walking my dog and someone drives by like 20 minutes later blasting harvester of sorrow <laughs> i have never listened to that record so like to, to listen to harvester of sorrow on my own i know because of it being played by everybody same with star wars i've never seen star wars I've never seen a star wars movie i think they've been on in bars that i've been at on mute but it's like right, people talk right. about them so much in the pop culture and the zeitgeist that I know so much about it and I can talk about it, not at length necessarily, but I know enough that I can be in a conversation with someone and can be like, and that's part of the problem. Like I, it was kind of forced on me. I don't care. Like it just is, it's a thing that exists and I know about it and I don't feel the need to, to be a participant in it. Metallica right, is kind right, of the right. same way for me where I'm like, yeah, Metallica's cool. They wrote, they got some great riffs, good songs. I, I don't know. Do I feel the need yeah. to sit there for two hours and watch them? No. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I would like I'll to do see it just to say I saw him. Yeah, not for $2,000. No. no, thank you. I could, I could uh, have a knock the wall down between two of my bedrooms for that price. <laughs> you, I know, I know, I know. No, thank you. That's new um, doors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what, you know, I talk in those terms all the time. It's like, yeah, but that's whatever, you know what I mean? Because, yeah, yeah. Generally, if I, if we're not playing the show, I don't, I don't go to a lot of shows. I really don't know why I don't go to a lot more shows, but, um, We'll go. I'll go if I'm guest listed. You know what I mean? If somebody calls me up, hey, we're going to be in Sioux City. We're going to be whatever. You should come down here. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll come down. But I don't generally go out and spend money on on tickets or just going out in general. Uh, See, my wife and I are like kind of terrible because we'll feel an obligation to somehow give like I spent seventy five dollars on a train hoodie. And I was like, I don't know. I got guest list. I got four tickets. And then all my friends bought me the two other couple, the other couple we brought, bought all of our drinks and shit. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like I should spend some money on something. <laughs> right, and I was right. like, and in my head, I was like, oh, it's going to my friend. I'm supporting my friend. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, like at that point, you're playing like an outdoor sold out amphitheater show. I, I really don't think my $65 is uh, really going <laughs> to like affect your bottom line. Just like, you know, but it is nice because I know a lot of the venue people here in town that, you know, from the intersection and 20 Monroe, you know, the joke is like you and your wife are the best people to, to guest list or whatever, because you spend money at the bar, you'll buy merch. Like you, yep. you, the amount of money you spend on free, like when my wife and I joke all the time, like the amount of money we spend on free shows is more than the tickets would have been anyway, yep. but it, yep. you're paying it forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's a couple guys that where I just know, like, if they'll hit me up and be like, Hey man, um, you know, I'm, I'm coming down to your whatever show. And then I'll just guest list them because I know they're going to buy at least a hundred dollars in merch. They're going to buy drinks. They're going to, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, man, you're, you're an easy one where it's like, if you say you're coming, you're, you're on it, you know, it's no problem. So, um, yeah, there's, those are the best type of people to guest list because you know, because you just saved them, you know, a hundred dollars of getting into the show or whatever, and they're going to spend $200 at, at merch and then buying you drinks and then taking you out to eat. And it's just like, yeah, you made up for it tenfold. So it's, it's way better that way. Yeah. hundred percent. 
All that said, though, uh, last question for you. Where can everyone find you or anything you would like to plug online? Everything you need, Saul related is at SaulOfficial.com. Um, it's got all of our streamings, uh, all of our um, merch. Um, it has all of our social media. So anytime you message uh, Saul directly on any sort of so- social media, it goes directly to me. I reply right back to you. Um, uh, so, yeah, just make sure you are checking out the new album. This is at the end of everything and give it a spin. And hopefully we catch everybody out at a show out supporting uh, Red this September and November. So that's about it. Hopefully we'll uh, be able to to do one of these just even not on record uh, when you guys come to Grand Rapids. I'm probably winter around here gets a little tough because uh, you never know what, yeah. what the weather is going to be. So you're like, I don't want to commit to driving or doing something. And then it's a blizzard. And then you're like, nope. <laughs> yeah i know it scared me because we toured through uh we toured through michigan a couple years ago in middle of december and we just kept saying man we're gonna get caught we're gonna get caught we're gonna get caught in a blizzard you know what i mean but it ended up being amazing like the day we got home it blizzard it started blizzarding and like snowing really bad here but we made it through the whole freaking thing with maybe a few snowflakes and we were like in michigan upper wisconsin like this whole like you know the danger zone area yeah travel but we made it through and like it was a great great tour yeah hopefully uh you guys will make it around a little bit closer this way and uh we link up and have some beers and chat and catch a show officially instead of thinking i'm pretty sure i've caught you before and just not realized it (laughs) had to have had to have have. last last thing for you yep have you ever made a better call Saul merch somehow no we haven't i feel like that needs to happen a a limited run (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just a t-shirt or a hat or something. Better call Saul. Yeah, yeah. Something, yeah. Just cool. I don't know. Mashup ideas like that, I think, are so fun when you can pull them off and then just before you get hit with a cease and desist. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I'll make money off it real quick and get out. Yeah. Absolutely. Right well, enjoy the rest of your day and uh, looking forward to uh, catching you soon. Cool. Thank you, sir. So that was my conversation with Blake, again, from the band Saul. I uh, really want to thank him for taking the time to chat. Uh, once again, I'm uh, just kind of dumbfounded that uh, the band or and or Blake and I haven't run into each other at some point before this conversation. But uh, it's one of those things, like I kind of say, sometimes the world uh, puts things in front of you, puts you where you're supposed to be. Uh, and sometimes you're not really just meant to meet somebody until you're meant to meet them. Um, I constantly think about that same thing, like how... I've been around probably Blake several times and just literally did not know about him uh, or hadn't been introduced to him. And I think about the story of like indirectly before I met my wife, like how many times my wife and I were in the same room together and just didn't know each other at the time. And there's one instance for sure that I know of where we were there and I was like right behind her. Um, I think I maybe have told this story a couple of times on the podcast. If not, I will keep it very short. Uh, we were both at a show with 30 seconds to Mars and cold. Um, the band, it was a blizzard that day. So most of the people that I guess probably had tickets didn't show up. And honestly, it was actually one of my favorite shows I've been to, like probably top like hundred shows I've ever seen. Um, because Cole did a storytellers type show, uh, year of the spider hadn't come out yet. So they kind of played the whole record and scooter and everyone just kind of explained what the record like what inspired it, um, different little stories about, you know, this riff or this lyric or whatever. 
It was really cool. Uh, however, there was like maybe 20, 25 people from what I remember. Um, and Bridget and her cousin were like the only women at this show. Uh, and I remember thinking at the time that uh, the one dark haired girl was cute. Uh, so fast forward, interestingly, like <laughs> probably uh, probably a good like five to eight years, if I had to guess. Uh, and then, you know, obviously I ended up meeting my eventual wife. Um, but we've looked at different concerts, uh, different photos we had taken from the concerts we'd been to, uh, and just realized that we were so close to each other at a lot of these shows, uh, and just didn't know each other. So, uh, definitely one of those situations where I think, you know, like I was saying a couple of seconds ago, uh, that life sometimes will put you around people. Um, but it's just not your time to meet and not have them be a part of your life currently. Um, so I don't know. I've been doing a lot of thinking. I'm trying not to, to to make this outro equally maybe a bum out as maybe the intro was. But uh, again, um, these are just kind of things that I think about and that um, mean something to me. And hopefully you, if you listen to this intro, outro, whatever, uh, that you get something from it. All of that said, going to wrap up this episode. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Saul, you can find them on Facebook at Saul Band Official, Instagram at Saul Band Official, and Twitter at Saul Band, or head over to SaulOfficial.com. All of these things are in the show notes. Uh, whatever you're listening to this on, watching this on, it is there. You can just click on these, copy and paste, whatever. Um, those things will work for you. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Blake, you can find him on Instagram at Blake Bedsall and Twitter at Blake underscore Saul. Uh, if you'd like to keep up with the podcast, Real Easy Brew Speak Pod on all of your major you know, social network platforms. Uh, podcast is pretty much found on every podcasting platform that I can think of. Uh, I did kind of laugh as I got an email uh, the last couple of days stating that Stitcher is no longer a thing. Uh, I just think about all the times people are like, dude, you gotta be on Stitcher. You gotta be on this. You gotta be on this fucking platform. And all I can think of is it's like, yeah, as they keep going away one by one, it's like, and the, the main ones that I always would put stuff on, it's like, those are still the places that are still around the other ones. Not so much. Um, so I guess it, you never know. Um, I guess RIP Stitcher. <laughs> Um, want to thank our podcast sponsors uh, as well, rockabilia.com. Go to their website, pick up some awesome merch, use our code brutally at checkout and take 10% off your total purchase order. Starving Artist Brewery, uh, go just support the guys and gals that work over there. Uh, interestingly, uh, kind of teasing, I guess, an episode I have with uh, Mike Maines, uh, sort of a local artist here in the Michigan area, uh, albeit he also lives and has lived other places. Um, but it was the thing when I was actually looking for a photo of Mike to use, uh, for the graphic for the episode, uh, I found out that, uh, Andrew, uh, owner of starving artist, there was a photo of him and Mike and I was like, holy shit, you know, Mike. And he was like, yeah. Um, so you'll hear me say this in that episode, but, uh, really awesome to see not only a guest that I've had on the show, but also an awesome sponsor, uh, and the folks over at starving artist, uh, honestly living up to what they say you know kind of supporting their their starving artists and at one point mike uh was definitely a part of that in in our local michigan scene so uh all that said i want to thank everyone uh you for listening to this i want to thank uh blake for coming on i want to thank uh the sponsors rockabilia and starving artist 
end for the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am John. I'll talk to you all next week where we have an awesome conversation with Scotty and Lewis of Carnifex. That one gets pretty deep. Uh, I'm not going to lie. That was a one where I was really excited to have Scott on, and I think we got into some really interesting things. So I'm excited to bring that one to you, and I'll talk to you all then. Have a great rest of your week.